athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked into the dopest show on radio. From the press box to press row, I am your host, Donald Ware. Once again, hope you're continuing to stay safe where you are as uh, the COVID-19 pandemic continues. About 48 states or so, 48 states uh, have have uh, loosened restrictions. But again, continue to be safe. Continue just to, to really have common sense when you go out. doesn't mean go buck wild. It, it means continue to have common sense when you're out and about. And, I mean, we do need to get back to some sense of normalcy. You have some states that are opening up faster than others and allowing for uh, for uh, more services to be performed, particularly services that uh, you cannot actually social, uh, social or physical distance from. Uh, with that said, you have to... You just have to be smart about things. Wear your masks. I mean, at the minimum, what the masks uh, do from everything that I've read is that if you have uh, the coronavirus, then it, it at least prevents the spread of coronavirus and then ultimately not standing in uh, or sitting in, in places where people congregate for long periods of time will also help uh, to mitigate that as well. So we're still in the pandemic I mean, it's not going away anytime soon, but I want you to continue to be safe. Got a good show for you today here on From the Press Box to Press Phone. Again, want to give you a reminder that you can listen to us uh, box to row on Sirius XM radio. And that show uh, on Sirius XM channel 141 can be heard each and every Saturday, 7 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific time and four, uh, 6 a.m. Central time and 4 a.m. Pacific time. On Sirius XM channel 141, because of the pandemic, we're uh, really running about a show per week. So uh, right now we're having the replay. Uh, I'm sorry, a show per month. So for the month of March, we had a replay. We had a show actually that we began. Uh, we did an initial show the first of, of, of May. That is not March, May. And Rhiannon Giddens, who's one of the best banjo players in the world, um, you, you know, it's hard to you know, it's not really fair, not hard. It's not fair to classify the kind of music she does. I mean, anywhere from folk music to blues to country, one of the best banjo players in the world. As a matter of fact, grew up in Greensboro, went to Dudley High School uh, for a while there. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, has an interesting story. And then we had the replay of the interview with Cal Ripken. So that is each and every Saturday uh, 7 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Central Time, and 4 a.m. Pacific Time on Sirius XM Channel 141. And then also you can listen to Box to Row Radio on Sirius XM Channel 142. So the 141 show more of uh, entertainment, uh, celebrity-type interviews, and then the show on 142, more hardcore sports, more hardcore HBCU sports, uh, Sirius XM 142, each and every Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific time again on 1:42. Joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Neil Ivy is the new head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Going to join us on the program. Um, very, uh, very excited to talk with her. Uh, uh, she was a member, an assistant coach on the Memphis Grizzlies staff last season. 
prior to that had been an assistant coach for a number of years, 12 seasons uh, at Notre Dame, and then also was a player at Notre Dame winning uh, part of a national championship team back in 2001. And then also as a coach, part of the national championship team when Notre Dame won the championship in 2018. Now she's running uh, the program uh, after Coach McGraw stepped down unexpectedly a couple of weeks ago and ultimately Neil Ivey. And one of the very few, one of the very few black women head coaches in Division One. So Neil Ivey, the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame, going to join us today here on the program. Your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we love for you to participate. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Follow us, uh, friend us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, also on my personal Twitter account, at DWare1, at DWare1, also on my personal Instagram account, at where Donald. Thank you to all of the outstanding, and I mean outstanding affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. And big shots out to our affiliate in uh, in Monroe, Louisiana. Sports Talk, generally it's Sports Talk 97.7. They had a couple of weeks ago a lightning, or, or not really even lightning, but a tornado came through, some bad weather came through and knocked down the tower. So the, uh, the current... Signal for Sports Talk in Ruston, Louisiana is 99.3. So thank you to all of those great listeners uh, in Ruston, Louisiana, who listen uh, to the program on 99.3. Those in Nashville that listen to us on WFSK. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142. And those that listen to us Around the world at BoxToRow.com, we've had some uh, UFC fights. We had UFC fight on Wednesday, had a UFC fight on Saturday. All intents and purposes, things have gone well with respect. Now, before the UFC fight on Saturday, you had a uh, one of the fighters that tested positive for coronavirus, but they caught that well in advance. That fighter obviously wasn't part of the card, and so far things have gone well with respect to UFC, um, you know, UFC is a lot different than obviously is the NBA, a lot different from the National Football League and different from Major League Baseball. We're uh, in the respect of such. And even, I mean, I don't, you know, however you want to classify WWE, if you want to, you know, it's more entertainment, but there is an athletic element to it. And with respect to that, I mean, WWE has been doing this, I, I think, almost for the duration, uh, really. And, you know, it's just a situation where you basically have two combatants in the ring, maybe four. Uh, in the case of WWE, you have a referee. Um, and, and then on site w- with WWE, you have um, some uh, some announcers. And with the UFC, you have judges on site. But everything is spread out. There are no fans in the stands, and I mean, you know, it, again, it's different, but it's working right now for UFC. Now, on Sunday, NASCAR is going to kick things back off in Darlington, a race uh, at the, uh, of course, at the elite level on Sunday, and then another one on Wednesday in Darlington. A lot of uh, different ways to protect crew members, drivers, etc., from contracting coronavirus. Only 16 members allowed in the pit crew. So it's going to be a lot of separation where you generally may have a lot of people because like, like I mentioned in those pit crews, it can be crazy because not only do you have members of respective teams, but you also have, you have like family members, you have media members. It's a lot really going on. So with that being said, you're not going to have any of that 16 to each team. So it's going to be able to be spread out. A little bit. You got a race in Darlington on Sunday, a race on uh, Wednesday, and then the following weekend, uh, things are going to get kicked off in Charlotte. So you have that. That again, that's different. And because this is the other thing, I mean, that that's good social distancing, I think, or it's it's better than it normally 
would be we'll have to see how things go because you still have to have that exchange of being able to um, pit uh, go on pit road and be able to change tires and that type of thing i mean that thing goes so quickly though it goes very very quickly so you know not maybe not a lot of interaction amongst the various team members um that said it's not the same because the drivers i mean i think one of the other elements with respect to nascar is what if somebody if a car wrecks and you have to have that driver i'm I'm unaware if the drivers are going to have that well the drivers generally have you know they have helmets on and they're going to have ppe on anyway so even if they have a wreck have to come out of the car where they have to receive medical attention i mean i think they're going to be um pretty much uh, in the ppe aspect of this thing which was mentioned on that conference call with nascar a couple of weeks ago i think is definitely going to be key so i think nascar uh has got the right idea but then we move into where the National Football League is. And I asked this last week with respect to the NFL. The NFL says it's going to start on time. Um, even David Tepper, who's the owner of the Carolina Panthers, thinks that there can be stands in the fan, uh, fans in the stands. He says that he went on an interview on CNBC and he says that it, obviously you won't have a, uh, you know, a lot of fans, but you know, they, there would be hopefully some fans in the stands. I just don't see how the National Football League thinks it's going to start with the way things are right now. And again, things can change, you know, in the next month. I mean, this thing is ever changing. It could change in the next month. I just don't see with everything that I've read how you're going to be able to play football really on any level, not just in the National Football League, but in any level. And by the way, you already see some conferences. We'll talk more about some of the conferences. The MAC, the Big South have modified various schedules for the upcoming 2000-2021 season with respect to tournaments, uh, most notably non-revenue um, participating sports. And, and it's just interesting, but with respect to football, with the way things are now, and I asked the question last week, was was it some arrogance on the part of the National Football League? You got all these other entities and all these other professional sports and just sports in general trying to figure out how uh, we can get play going back or start play up. And the NFL says we're going to start on time. I just don't I, I don't see how. And I asked the question last week, was it a form of arrogance with respect to the National Football League? But uh, with that said, um, you know, I'm just interested to see and, and, and we're going to talk more about this later on in the program with respect to college football, because college football, particularly at the at the smaller FBS level and then the lower levels, FCS, D2, D3, NAIA, etc., really at a crossroads right now, because, again, Everything that I'm reading, I just don't see how you're going to be able to play football, at least on time. So, uh, you know, I guess if you have enough tests, but I mean, ultimately, it's not even about, I mean, it is about the tests because if you test positive, uh, and then if they're, if you, you know, most, a lot of places you go, they're, they're going to be t- uh, taking your temperature and so forth. But with respect to the tests, at least if you know you test positive, then you know you're not going to be able to participate. But, you know, ultimately, unless there's some kind of vaccine where, you know, it's pretty foolproof. I just don't see how that's going to happen anytime soon, uh, the, especially from the way that the NFL talk is talking. And then with respect to college football uh, as well. But I think you have to plan. You have to you have to. I mean, it, it, with all in, in fairness to the NFL, it's planning on starting the season on time but my thing is tell us what some of the stipulations are i haven't heard anything with respect to what some of the sti- they say they have a plan in place but what are some of those plans how do you plan on going about doing that to make a statement to say we're going to start on time we're the national football league and not to tell us you know what types of things you're going to have in place i, I think uh, uh d- d- does at least to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense but anyway um, we can talk more about that. We'll talk more about college football. I want to talk about where college football stands uh, as we're in the middle of May right now. The uh, season is going to start in about two is or slated to start in two and a half months. How does that look? 
um, you already have like the California State University system has canceled. Uh, uh, we're not canceled, but they're not going to have classes in the fall on campus. Those classes are going to be online. So how does that affect some of those schools? I think a lot of those schools that play football are, are FCS programs. So it's in maybe even Division two programs. So it's an interesting dynamic. I'm up against the break. I'm going to talk more about college football on the other side and not just college football, but not on the other side. I'll talk about it a little later on in the program, I should say. But college athletics in general, as we come up on the 2000 2021 season, especially for the smaller divisions, because at the end of the day, football funds a lot of the other sports funds, most of the other sports, probably with the exception of men's basketball and maybe even to some degree men's basketball. So let me step aside, take a break, come back. As a matter of fact, going to be joined by Neil Ivy, the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Then I'm going to talk college athletics a little bit later on in the program as you're locked into from the press box to press row. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Here's why. Dish has the nation's lowest TV price, along with an award-winning DVR that can skip commercials, record eight shows at once, and get access to thousands of movies at your fingertips. Cable simply can't even compare. So the smart choice is to cut the cable and get Dish. Plus, you get all these great TV features, free HD DVR upgrade, free installation, and free movie channels. Say goodbye to cable and get more with Dish TV. Call 800-579-0107. 800-579-0107. As an added bonus, you can switch to Dish now and receive a $50 Visa gift card. So call now and get Dish TV. 800-579-0107. 800-579-0107. That's 800-579-0107. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment, and credit qualification required. Cancellation fee, monthly equipment fees, and other restrictions apply. Promotion can change at any time. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Last weekend was a tough weekend. Lost really three musical legends. Of course, you hear Mary J. Blige's real love, Andre Harrell, who signed Mary J. Blige, created Uptown Records, and by the way, was responsible for uh, for signing and really the creation of Sean Diddy Combs and what you know P. Diddy has has become. Uh, passed away. Also, Betty Wright passed away, and the one and only Little Richard passed away. We, of course, played Tutti Fruity in the beginning of the show, and uh, uh, Little Richard, a graduate of then Oakwood College, now Oakwood University, HBCU in Huntsville, Alabama. And so all of our music uh, today will be reflective of those three. And also, by the way, passing away a couple of weeks ago, also was Millie Small, who had the big record, My Boy Lollipop. And so we'll have music that's reflective of those artists today here on the program. As a matter of fact, for Mother's Day last week, we're really into collecting these records, these vinyls. And so I was able to go online and I was able to find Mary J. Blige's What's the 411 album, her very first album from 1992. And I happened to get it. It was unsealed. It had never been open never been open so naturally i paid a pretty penny for it but what i did because my wife's a a huge mary j blige fan i also bought the record that came out maybe 2017 the 25th anniversary of the release of what's the 411 so i i bought that record as well so uh she could listen to that record but keep the sealed copy of what's the 411 the original pressing from all the way back in 1992. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Got a special guest on the line. As a matter of fact, she's been on the job three weeks as the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. And I'll tell you what, she was an assistant prior to that 
for 12 seasons. But right before that, she was an assistant coach with the Memphis Grizzlies and a former player at Notre Dame. She is Neil Ivy. She joins us here. I'm from the press box to press row. Neil, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's great to uh, to have you. Uh, what's the last three weeks been like for you since you've now been named the head women's basketball coach at your alma mater, Notre Dame? It's been incredible. The first week was a complete whirlwind. So it went from the announcement, press conference, to a week pass really fast. So it went very, very fast. It was the outpour of love that I received from fans, former players, Notre Dame community, the Grizzlies, Memphis. It was amazing. And then time calmed down a little bit. And so I've been really trying to just get into the flow of building staff and, you know, those type of things as, as much as I can do with the pandemic and, and being social distancing and being at home. But it's been an amazing three weeks, more than I could have ever even dreamed of. And I mean, obviously you're an alum, an assistant coach there, 12 years, a player there, four years, an All-American player, um, as a matter of fact. What made the opportunity now, uh, this opportunity, what made it the right time for you to now be the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame? Yes, well, I definitely always believe in just God's timing, and I just felt like in my heart and soul that it was the perfect time. Obviously, the, it was a lifetime or a dream of a lifetime to have a offer to, to be the head coach of the University of Notre Dame. I knew it was an opportunity of a lifetime, and it was just divine timing. My son is graduating from high school and the next month, and he's headed off to college. He's going to Purdue uh, um, to play basketball at Purdue, and I just felt like this was in my heart. I felt like this was this was the right time for me. Um, and I passed up a you know a couple offers prior to this before taking the Memphis Grizzlies opportunity. And you know, just in my heart, I felt like this was this was it for me. Yeah, I mean, let me let me ask you this: Had uh, and you know, we 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 can you know we don't know, but because of the fact that we're in this COVID nineteen uh, pandemic, uh, had we not been in this pandemic, would uh, I don't know, would you have been afforded this opportunity and would you have taken it if so? Right. I, I think, like you said, like you never know what would have happened prior to the COVID. Coach McGraw, maybe she would have stayed for a couple more years. Um, and, she, you know, she felt like it was the, the time away, the isolation that she just felt she came to peace with retiring. And so, you know, without the COVID, maybe she continues to, to coach and I'm still in Memphis. So you never really know. Honestly, so I just kind of taking it for um, with the situation that happened presented itself to me. Yeah. Uh, how were things? I mean, I want to talk a little bit more uh, about Memphis, but since it's been brought up, how were things going? Seemed like they were going really well. You're one of nine um, assistant coaches uh, who are women in the uh, NBA. Oh, amazing. It was a great experience. Uh, this, we were, we are still, <laughs> I feel like I'm still part of the family and, uh, we, you know, we're in eighth place. You know, we're fi- we were fighting to clinch the eighth uh, spot in the playoffs in the playoff race. Uh, I personally was having just an amazing year. I I can't speak enough about just a, um, a, a un- unbelievable organization that the Memphis Grizzlies is. Uh, Taylor Jenkins, the head coach there, just amazing. So I personally and professionally had the the, the, the most amazing year of my my entire life. It was complete just um expansion of knowledge there and i learned so much i grew so much as a person i grew as an uh, as an assistant and it was tremendous the, my, my year was tremendous but it was obviously with the um the covid and just the season just being suspended so abruptly it was it was it was, it was um that part was hard like i said like we were really trending upwards positively so that part was hard, but it was just a tremendous year for me. And then, you know, the interesting dynamic with your son going uh, to Purdue and, uh, you know, going to still be right in the state of Indiana. I mean, that's pretty exciting. It is really exciting. This past year was very, very hard being away. I really only had the opportunity to see him play one time this year. And prior to leaving Memphis, I was, I tried to be at almost – I was the mom that was trying to make every game the loudest in the stands. So that was really hard <laughs> to separate and being away and not being able to physically be there to support him. But now, you know, he's going to be about two, two hours, a little over two hours down the road. So I'll be able to watch 
either in you know through you know television with the Big Ten Network or or just in person. So it's very comforting to be able to be close to support him. That the voice of Neil Ivy. She is now the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Three weeks on the job, she joins us here on from the press box to press row. Uh, Muffet McGraw, I mean, you you were an assistant coach under her for so many years, won a national championship, uh, a player uh, for her, won a national championship. Who, who is what, what does Muffet McGraw mean to you? Who does she who is she to you? She is one of the most influential women in my life. My mother being my number one first role model, learned everything from my mother. And the second person would be Muffet McGraw. She has pretty much given me and taught me everything from just recruiting me as a 16-year-old young young girl from St. Louis, Louis, Missouri, and giving me an opportunity to attend one of the best universities in the world and, and then giving my first opportunity to coach. She, you know, she was always the one to, to give me my first, my first opportunity to play, to, you know, play for her and then to coach under her. So she means a lot to me. She is the reason why I'm here. I, I, I've learned so much from her. But, again, it's all about opportunity and opportunity that she gave me and, you know, you know, basically took me under her wing, taught me everything she knew, um, and just, you know, allow, allowed me to develop and flourish under her leadership. So she means the world to me. Yeah. What, what are, what are, I mean, the program, I mean, you've, you've seemed to have a good recruiting class coming in. Uh, talk about where the program is right now and uh, maybe some of the needs uh, to be able to get back to that national championship level. Yes, well, last year was, you know, a tough year for us. And this year, like you said, we have, I think we were ranked third um, in the nation with, in our, with our incoming recruiting class. We lost, uh, we lost uh, the entire starting lineup a year, a year ago. And so just almost a, a rebuild. And so this year with the, with the returners that we have um, coming back from that last year, I think that the incoming freshman class are going to make an immediate impact. I think, you know, our future is really bright. I think that we have, you know, great talent. And it's just really coming in. It's a new, it's a new energy, a new change. Um, and also, I always feel that, you know, I know change can be a little bit uncomfortable, but I think change can be good. And so I think hopefully with the new energy, the new passion that I'm going to bring, just a new, the new chapter of Notre Dame is going to be really exciting. Um, and, again, I think I have a lot of really great pieces. I think um, we're all going to grow together and just really focus on, you know, building culture and, working on just building great habits and just growing together. That's what I'm looking forward to, and I definitely think that I have the pieces to do that. We're talking with Neil Ivey, the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame, who joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We'll have more with Neil Ivey after this small pause for the cause. This is From the Press Box to Press Row. Track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. We're back as we continue our conversation as Neil Ivey is the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame joins us here in the program. Speaking of, of new energy, I mean, you're a couple of days on the job and you get the number two recruit in the country to come to you. That to me speaks to uh, who you are uh, for that player two days on the job uh, to, in fact, uh, come in and be want to be a part of your program. Yes, sir. That was super exciting. <laughs> I'm telling you, that was, that was, I think that that probably be the best week ever of my life. As far <laughs> as being a, being a head coach, I definitely have to say that was, uh, that was incredible. And I credit that to just building relationships. Uh, fortunately, I was only one year removed from the recruiting process, and so I built some relationships before I entered the NBA. And so, you know, relying on those relationships, it was very strong. And I was excited that we were both on the same page and excited that, uh, you know, have some new additions to the family. So that was that was I was very blessed for that. Yeah, no question about it. We're speaking of uh, Olivia Miles from New Jersey. Um, Let me take you back to your days as a player, All-American player uh, at Notre Dame. Uh, and, and then finally winning that national championship in 2001, what did that mean to you? It was a, it was the, one of the, I have had many, many highs, um, in a, even a little bit of lows, but like my, that was definitely number one on my list because I'd, I'd come back from two ACLs, 
in, in my freshman and junior year. So had to battle through some adversity as a, um, you know, in college. And then my fifth year, receiving that red shirt year, coming back and winning in my hometown, St. Louis, was the most incredible feeling in the world. It was it was something that I um, was one of my biggest dreams and goals to be able to win that first national championship and bring that that championship to Notre Dame and to Coach McGraw. So that was an incredible feeling. So it was it was almost it was such an unreal surreal feeling. But to be able to win at home, my last game of my collegiate career was you couldn't even make it up. It was so amazing. Yeah, and you know there are not many people that can say they win in a, a national championship. Uh, as a player and then as an assistant coach in 2018 Notre Dame wins another national championship in dramatic fashion talk about that national championship that was also incredible a lot of people ask which was better as a player as a coach but both having that just such such amazing feeling but to, to win it as an assistant coach because as assistant coach you can't be on the floor you know you can only develop or you can only kind of try to vocally tell the players like this is what you have to do but the, so the fact that they could do you know that they could do it on the floor and to be on the sidelines cheering them on and just feeling like you're a part of it as a coach and you're mentoring and watching the the development and, and development and growth of the players that that was that was an incredible feeling as well it was like you said it was in dramatic fashion it was probably one of the most exciting final fours in the history of the women's game and to be a part of that I mean I still watch the game and watch the <laughs> The buzzer and, and I sit back and I'm like I cannot believe that happened. It was it was so unreal. Um, it was you know maybe so dramatic that it, I'm, I'm not I don't know if that will ever it will ever happen that way. You know having two buzzer beaters in the yeah. semifinals and the finals to win. It was it was such an incredible an incredible moment and uh, it brought a lot of notoriety to our game. You know Kobe Bryant being in the stands and just so many um, we gained a lot of fans um, just from the women's game because of um, because of those because of that final four and how much um, attention that it drew. So it was awesome. I was so proud of our girls and to, to be an assistant coach watching that happen. Um, to, to I've always told the girls as assistant coach, man, when I won the national championship in 2001, I'm going back always. They're like, we did it like this. And, you know, the fact that they could experience it as a coach, that's the only thing that I wanted. I wanted them to experience what I had previously experienced. And so to watch that and to, to see it was, was really, really amazing. Absolutely. A couple of more thoughts with Neil Ivy, the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame, who joins us here um, on the program. How you know, and it's interesting because you you coached at that that time, um, Skylar Diggins, when you were an assistant coach when she was playing. Um, you won, as I mentioned, in 2001. Speak to how the women's game has really grown um, even since you won the national championship back in 2001. Oh, it evolved tremendously. Just the level of talent, as you know, you know, kids are playing and training much earlier, so they're, you know, bigger, bigger, stronger, faster. I would say just the level of training is is, is they're starting at an earlier age. The fundamentals are a lot stronger earlier. Competition, exposure, all those things have evolved since I played in 2001, and so the players that are coming up now. And, you know, like Skyler's era, and they're, they're incredible. As you know, Sabrina last year and Inescu, that um, superstar from Oregon that was the number one draft pick in the WNBA, it's just to see the level of talent of how it's grown, it's just, it's just tremendous. And I, I'm just, I just love how even with the NBA, and I know Kobe was a big part of this, supporting the WNBA, supporting the, the women's um, – our game, it's just it's – so, it's so important to, to feel – to feel that our game is being respected. And I just, I, I love it. And, and it's just a complete evolution of, of the talent that's out there right now. And it's just really exciting to be a part of again. Yeah. About a month ago, we had Vanessa Blair Lewis, of course, the head women's basketball coach at Bethune Cookman um, on the program. And uh, we spoke with her, the, the panel that she was a part of with Don Staley, Carolyn Peck, et cetera. And I know uh, for, for at least I read for Muffet McGraw, it was important um, that uh, a woman, uh, she she wanted a woman to be the head coach um, at uh, at Notre Dame. But what within that panel um, discussion? There was a discussion about the lack of black women as head coaches at the Division One level. Uh, your thoughts and what does it mean to you to uh, to be a black woman as now the head coach uh, at Notre Dame? Yes. Well, I think Coach McGraw, if you know her, listen to her. Her 
her story and what she believes in, she's really big on empowering women. I felt that as a player, I felt that as an assistant coach, it was something that she was very passionate about. Um, and I, I do believe that her passion and, you know, empowering me and empowering me to, to even be in this position to have this offer to be the head coach, I, I mean, I can't thank her enough for it. And, you know, you need she's, – she's, she's an advocate, and I, I just love how she can, she can use her platform and her voice to, to empower women. And I think that, like you said, like the, the percentage has gone down um, with, you know, American and, and women in general just having opportunities to, to be in leadership roles. And for me, I'm, I'm fortunate, and I had the experience of being the first African-American assistant coach with the Memphis Grizzlies. So this past year, I really learned a lot. I learned about my platform. You know, I, I never really knew, you know, growing up that I could be in this, this type of role. And not that, you know, I think I was so, so caught up with just, you know, school and, and basketball or athletics that you never, I never knew, I never knew that I could be in this, this situation. And, you know, and I, I, I always believe that anything is possible, but the fact that I'm in this role, like I said, last year was an amazing experience just to feel, just to, just to be present, just to be present on that bench. I just felt the, I felt there's a love and support and I, I, I felt the magnitude of my presence. And so now being the head coach, the first African-American female head coach in the, in the history of Notre Dame athletics, I'm going to wear that cape every day. You know, I, I take pride in it. Um, I'm honored. Um, I'm going to use this platform to impact lives. That's who I am, the essence of what I want to do in this role. And I'm just, I'm just fortunate to be to be a part, to be a woman of color in leadership. And I just I just pray that I make you know Coach McGraw proud. And I pray to continue to inspire young girls, young people, any and everywhere to believe in their dreams and to, to for them to see me in this role because I think it's really important. And I'm just honored to be to be, to be able to, to to wear that cape and to be able to inspire. Very awesome. Last two thoughts, Neil. Ivy, of course, joining us here on the program, head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Was it hard to leave Notre Dame to go to the Grizzlies? And then was it hard to leave the Grizzlies to come back to Notre Dame? It was both. I can't <laughs> believe it. I was so torn in both, both situations. Um, I have had, obviously, my whole life, half of my life has been at Notre Dame, either as a player or an assistant coach. And that was really hard, basically leaving the net. But I knew the NBA was an incredible opportunity, and I knew that in, or, in order for me to grow, I had to change my environment. I had to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so I took that leap of faith, not knowing anybody in Memphis, and I just, I just you know, prayed about it, and I just knew this was going to be an amazing experience, an opportunity for me to grow and learn and to be better. And that every year I'm always searching for opportunities to be better. And so this, when the Memphis opportunity came, and I've, you know, obviously talking about Coach McGraw and my family, I just felt like this was that was an incredible. It was a great move for me, and it was a it's an opportunity of a lifetime. And now, and so that was really hard leaving. So I say that to say, I mean, it, it took a, it took a while for me to make sure that it was the it was the right move for me. But I knew that was an opportunity for me to grow. And now, you know, taking this opportunity to go back to Notre Dame and leaving Memphis, I I, I absolutely fell in love with the city of Memphis. I fell in love with the guys. You know, my my head coach. The Memphis Grizzlies organization. It was it was such a positive experience for me. I felt I felt like I was learning so much. I I could have seen myself in the NBA for a long time, to be honest. And so like it, I really had to think and deep, dive deep into my soul and, and pray. Like okay, I, I know this is back in Notre Dame, but I I really love my job and I love what I'm doing. I'm very passionate about the NBA. I'm passionate about Memphis, and so I really had to rely on you know my my family and and my connection with the Lord to, to find out like if this if this is the move that I should do and I just kind of went with that went with my heart but it was it was a win-win both ways you know both great great opportunities great places places where I felt like I could grow and impact lives but I just it was really hard but I just went with my heart and my heart told me to come back home you know what I said last two thoughts but really last two thoughts with you having been in the uh in the NBA um, do you feel like one day that there will be a woman as a head coach in the NBA? Well, I do feel that anything is possible because I never thought like, two years ago or a year and a half ago that I would have, that you would be talking to me about being the ninth 
assistant coach in the NBA and the first female assistant in, in, at the Memphis, in the Memphis Grizzlies um, staff. So I definitely think anything is possible. It would be really exciting. I can't wait to see when that happens, but I definitely think it, it's definitely something that will happen in the future. Just never know when or who, but I definitely think anything is possible. And then, like I said, lastly, it seems like everything you touch turns to gold. You were working again uh, as an assistant coach with the Grizzlies, currently eighth uh, in the West and didn't even make the play. Was matter of fact, wasn't a great season at all last year, eighth in the rest. And, of course, uh, working with John Moran, I know that had to be uh, uh, pretty exciting for you. Oh, so exciting. And I, I, t- I, credit, I credit Taylor Jenkins. He is the up-and-coming superstar head coach. He's a rock star. He is one of the smartest, smartest basketball minds ever been around. And the way that he pretty much molded and, you know, developed that team, um, developed our young core, building the pieces around. I credit Zachary Kleiman, the general manager. It's just a phenomenal job. And I was just blessed to be a part of it. I've learned so much under his leadership. And that future, the future is really bright for John Morant. It's really bright for the Grizzlies. And so I'm going to enjoy watching that from afar. But I, I, I definitely, I definitely, I'm so grateful for the experience and to just to be around such amazing talent, including the entire coaching staff, the organization, and the players. It was, it, we, we all really, it was an authentic bond that we had. And usually in the the guys were just so coachable. They were so, they were so incredible that, um, it was just really a joy to be around. And so there was just, he, I feel like Taylor Jenkins just fostered a great, a great culture, great environment, a great environment of learning. And everybody really benefited from his leadership. Follow her on Twitter at Irish Coach Ivy. She is Neil Ivy, the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Neil, really appreciate the time. Want you and your family continue uh, to stay safe. And we look forward to. Uh, to you having success as the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. Stay safe. To you as well, Neil, is Neil Ivey, the head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame, joining us here on the program. Had a lot to say and think about that. couple of days, really, on the job, able to get the number two recruit in the country. And I think Notre Dame basketball is in great shape. Great shape. Moving forward, only a year removed from uh, winning the national championship. So uh, uh, really two years, you know, this year uh, we, we didn't have a national championship. But again, I think she's going to be do a tremendous job. She's going to be able to get in there and get some of those real top players across the country. Notre Dame is a national school going to be able to get some of those top players, a national program that has been built up. And as uh, we talk about the couple of national championships, but a lot of elite eight and final four appearances more recently for Notre Dame on the other side of this break, let's talk some college athletics and the look for 2020, 2021. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Larry Little is a Pro Football Hall of Famer. What were those first couple of months like with Coach Shula there in Miami? I thought it was going to be a three-week. He thought, well, he told me he'll be playing the game. He's not going to work it that hard. Man, this man came in. We had practice four times a day. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't do that today, though. Oh, no, man. Those guys just put on pads once a week nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the game is so soft now. He was half faster now. He worked the hell out of them. <laughs> but, you know, that helped us become a pretty good football team. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Joey Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. No reaction to anything that Neil Ivey had to say, the new head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. 
some of the conferences already starting to make moves. And you look at a conference like the Mid-America Conference, it's a, you know, a mid-major conference, if you will, football-wise on the FBS level. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really like the word mid-major. I mean, it's all FBS. It's not a, a, a Power 5 conference. Um, let's put it like that. They play some pretty good football, as a matter of fact, uh, in the Mid-American Conference. And while right now football is not uh, is not affected as we stand right now, it, it, the MAC Conference is eliminating postseason tournaments for multiple sports, women's tennis, men's tennis, baseball, softball, men's soccer, women's soccer, women's lacrosse, and field hockey, no doubt cost-saving moves obviously you're not looking at any you're not looking at i think the mac plays a a football championship if i'm not mistaken and then uh, also the basketball tournament i mean those are money makers so those aren't going to move as we stand right now but again it just shows you how football really is the driving engine for a lot of the other sports at respective college uh, athletic departments. I mean, it's just what it is at the end of the day. And, you know, again, I, I mean, I'm looking at this thing and I'm looking at reading and, and, and it changes like where we stand now in the middle of May doesn't mean we're going to be in the same place two weeks from now at the end of May. It definitely doesn't mean that. But I, I just, you know, if you I mean, I mean, I, there's, I guess there are ways. I mean, to me, and as I mentioned last week, I mean, baseball, to me, is the sport that can begin to play now. For instance, uh, I, I tell you about uh, my, my son and daughter playing travel um, baseball and softball, respectively. Well, we're supposed to, at least on the softball side, supposed to start practicing again uh, in a couple of weeks. And again, to me, I mean, it, it's the sport where – you can have the social distancing. There's already, you know, the, the the various positions that are definitely more than six feet apart. I think the only you have two dynamics. You have the dynamic with the batter at the plate with the catcher, and then also the umpire at the plate behind the catcher. I think you can fix the umpire scenario. I mean, I think it'll be a little bit different in Major League Baseball. But then again, it may go to Major League Baseball had talked about implementing a where you would have a balls and strikes called by uh, not called by the umpire, but called by, you know, a computer in essence. I mean, this may be a way to do that. I don't know, Uh, but it may be a way to do that in in all of uh, because this is the thing. You don't want to be behind the plate because you're not six feet apart if you're the umpire. And then the other thing is in Little League, sure. You can call the balls and strikes behind the pitcher. It's, you know, you can do that because even if a hot shot is hit, you know, you can pretty much get out of the way of that. But the higher you go, high school, you know, even travel ball where it's 90 feet, where it's real baseball, like I like to call it in above, you know, those hot shots, I mean, it's hard to get out of the way of those. Now, you may have the protective equipment on like you would generally have behind the plate. That's another way. I don't know. You know, if you can call it behind the backstop, if you can call it, um, you know, six feet apart from where the catcher is. I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways you could go about it from a baseball perspective, unlike, you know, basketball and football as well. But again, getting back to college athletics, I mean, you have the MAC, which is eliminating a lot of its uh, conference championships in its non-revenue sports. No doubt a cost-cutting measure. Then... You look at a conference like the Big South, who the Big South came out earlier this week and implemented certainly some changes. And, of course, A&T not set to join the conference in 2020-21, but set to join the Big South in 21-22. Well, the Big South was set to have its basketball tournament in Charlotte. So the CIAA is going to move on. To Baltimore, a lot of revenue going to be lost for Charlotte and Mecklenburg County. Definitely, you're not going to make up that revenue with the Big South. I mean, you're not going to make up the revenue, but you will have some revenue coming in at least that you would have lost with the CIAA's move 
to Baltimore. Well, now the Big South is delaying its conference tournament until uh, in Charlotte, that is, until 2021, 2022. So now you've lost, you know, Charlotte has lost revenue. Um, I, I believe the Big South is going to go back to its model. And as a matter of fact, there's a school uh, from where my home is just seven miles up the road. Campbell is just seven miles up the road. So I've, I've had a chance to go to uh, conference tournaments, uh, basketball conference tournaments up in Campbell where the games are played on campus. So th- I think they're going to go back to that model uh, in addition uh, to some other uh, moves that the Big South is making. And you got to figure if a, if a conference like the MAC, which is an FBS football conference, is making a move like that, uh, trying to save costs. Where is where do the smaller conferences stand? I mean, and I'm not I'm just talking about even on the Division One level. Where do the MEACs and the SWACs and the OBCs of the world stand with respect to possibly cutting a conference tournaments in non-revenue generating sports? I mean, I think where you stand. Um, and even with the loss of basketball revenue, because if you're the, you know, the OBC in, 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 in the instance for what we talk about with respect to HBCU sports, OBC, Big South, MEAC, SWAC, you've now lost um, monies from the Division One men's basketball tournament, guaranteed monies for uh, for the team that wins it. And of course, you get if a team moves on and. You know, maybe some of those teams play in the play-in game. If you win that game, you move on. That money is divided amongst the conference. You have money that's lost there from the 2019-2020 season. And now you're moving into 2021, and you have no idea uh, what that's going to look like, especially from a football standpoint. So, I mean, there are a lot of decisions that have to be made. We talked you know, and, and even going back a couple of months ago, we talked about the viability and the health of the MEAC, which I think the MEAC is healthy. I, I think even uh, with the loss of uh, North Carolina a again, that's not this year. So the MEAC really has more than a year to, uh, to, to compensate or try to adjust for the loss of a North Carolina a from a financial standpoint. How do you do that? I'm not sure. You know, adding a, adding another school is hard. They haven't added. I mean, the MEAC hasn't added a school since adding Savannah State and North Carolina Central, which became full-fledged members in 2011. I don't know how you do that, but I mean, what are? But but again, the the, the MEAC has other things going on for it, a good ESPN package for both football and basketball, um, et cetera, and the SWAC, by the way, et cetera, et cetera. So obviously. A lot of the smaller conferences are going to have to make some very tough decisions, especially because, again, a lot of these conferences are going to play those money games with respect uh, to football. So a lot, if you figure if the MAC is doing this, what are some of the other conferences thinking about doing in terms of cutting costs? Your thoughts on Twitter at BoxToRo, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. Let's continue the conversation offline because my time is up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Neil Ivy, the new head women's basketball coach at Notre Dame for joining us here on the program. Check us out on our YouTube page. We're building that back up. Great interviews for you. Uh, log on, uh, or if you uh, actually, if you Google YouTube and Box to Row, you'll find our YouTube page. Want you to subscribe to that. And always remember to support those that support Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. Here's a woman.